And I'm just standing there awkward on the stage. No one knows who I am. And he just goes, but one more thing I got to tell you, Phil Wickham is not coming tonight, but please welcome the Michael Taylor band. (laughs) (laughs) He runs off the stage. And I was going, oh, no. Hope Talk, a PCM podcast. Yo. Yo, yo, yo. It's Michael Tyler Begnod. Is that right? Begno. 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 B-E-G-N-A-U-D, which is the reason why it's Tyler. Exactly. I was going to ask you that. So do you remember growing up when uh, um, one any any in particular that jumped out where your name just got slaughtered? Here, here's here's what I tell people. I was like, my so birth certificate, it's Micah Tyler Begno. Okay. Tyler's my middle name. And so we were making the decision. I just reflected back on all the pizzas I had ordered and all the first days of school that I went to where my last name was never compatible. No one's going to figure out that that silent D at the, if it was any AUX, because there was a moment where I put out a solo record. <clears throat> it was, it was the Micah Begno band at the time. And I was doing like local youth camps and stuff like that, but I was about to step out, do this thing full time. Uh, it's about 10 years. It's actually 10 years ago. Last week was my, my last Sunday as a youth pastor. And I was sitting with the youth group and I was talking to them um, and kind of showing them some of the songs and stuff. And I was like, hey, we got to put this record out and I got to put a name on the outside. So we're trying to figure out, we're going to take a vote. Should it be the Micah Begno Band, B-E-G-N-A-U-D, the Micah Begno Band, B-E-G-N-O, make it super phonetic, super simple. Really embrace the Cajun roots, B-E-G-N-E-A-U-X. Yeah. And we go that way. Or should it be the Micah Tyler band? And I had a boy in there. His name was Cameron. And Cameron's dad was the the music pastor at the church. Been there for four years. Cameron's one of my best kids in my youth group. We're super close. And I, I'll never forget. He just, we're, we're letting the kids vote on things. And he just goes, I just cannot imagine calling you anything but Micah Begnode. And he put the D at the end. And I was like, if you don't know it, how can I expect for anyone to know it? So that was the day that it was like, okay, Micah Tyler band, we got it. That's good. That's good stuff. Good stuff. It, like you, I'm glad you mentioned that because it sounds Cajun with there. Now, you, you're, yeah. from, you're from Texas. Where does the Cajun roots come from? So we're 30 miles from the border. Uh, and my grandpa, uh, Pierre Begno, was French Cajun. Spoke, yeah. spoke, you know, uh, just a little, just a little Cajun French. And uh, but he was from Brobridge, Louisiana. And so, oddly enough, the only person that I've met in CCM music that has been able to pronounce my last name was Lauren Daigle. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. I actually met Lauren whenever she was a waitress at Chewy's, and she had a development deal with Centricity. Um, we were working a conference together before I had signed a record deal. She was still writing songs. She had not even written um, her, her big songs yet, but she was just, you know, hustling, trying to make a, a career out of it. And after we got through this conference, we all went to a restaurant to go eat afterwards. We're out there and we're talking and blah, blah, blah. And she mentioned something about having, you know, going back home to Louisiana. I was like, oh, yeah, I got family in Bro Bridge. And she said, with a name like Tyler, you got family in Bro Bridge? I was like, well, my, my last name's actually Begno. She goes, your name is not Begno. And I was like, it is. She said, show me your license. So I pulled it out. And so she started listing all the Begnos that she knew that she went to high school with. So, yeah, it was one of those, like, the only person that I could count on in this industry to know how to spell my last name, my actual last name uh is is miss dangle my wife was also a kindergarten teacher so it was always fun to me to hear how people are spelling their kids names nowadays yeah because there's some people who spell them they're a very strange spelling but at least they're phonetic but my wife also taught a girl who first day of school she goes she's looking at the 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 role sheet and she says tia yali because it's spelled t-i-y-a-y-a-l-i 
Tia Yali. And she's going, uh, and then the Lord goes, it's Tylee. And she looks at it and she goes, oh, Tia Lee. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. So I, I, needless to say, I'm not going to find my first name or my last name on any uh, coffee cups anytime soon. For sure. <laughs> yeah. In the gift shops growing up, you're not going to find your name on the keychains. That's for I'm sure. always buddy sport, like number one thing. And like, that's what my little license plate on my bicycle said growing up, not Micah or, or my last name. Micah, as many times as we've hung out together from time to time, I always remember you in white athletic shoes. What do you have on right now? Uh, right now I'm wearing uh, black adidas flip-flops oh okay all right well they're still sporty they're still sporty how many pairs of cowboy boots do you own zero what no one not not one here's the deal i live in a i live in an interesting part of texas so we're southeast texas so like i tell people like if this is texas we're we're way over here so we're almost louisiana so we're a lot more known for our food than we are in oil like this is a i live actually probably within an hour I, I, I want to say the last thing I heard between Houston, Port Arthur, Beaumont, like these big oil kind of refinery towns, whatever. It's like 60% of the country's gas and oil production comes from like within an hour and a half, two hours of where I live. So that's wow. more, it's, it's more hard hats. And like my dad works at a paper mill, uh, eight miles from here. He's okay. worked there for 37 years. Wow. And so like that, that's more work boots is more what people have around here than the cowboy boots. Not a whole lot of ranch land around here, but we still have, you know, a lot of the classic Texas uh, trappings over here as well. So you would be more Cajun gumbo and, and shrimp and grits and stuff than you would Texas brisket and stuff like that. Listen, if you've ever seen my physique, you would know that we have both. <laughs> That's the problem is that you can go and get a good barbecue over here and a good bowl of gumbo over here. Like You can get etouffee and you can get brisket all within a, a, a stone's throw of where I live. So. That's the thing. Like we're everyone's just like all in on food, and we have Tex-Mex. So it's just the Bermuda Triangle of weight loss over here right now. Yeah, it's just not, yeah. Sounds like heaven, man. So growing <laughs> up in Beaumont, Texas, because you now live in Buna, Texas. How far so, apart? So grew up in Buna. Beaumont's like the big city. So okay. Buna, Texas. I've only lived outside of seven seven six one two. Our this area code. I mean the zip code here in Buna for three months. And it's when we were building this new house, we moved from the single wide mobile home we were living in for the last 10 years, moved into a rent house so that we could sell the mobile home and get the stuff out, finish this house, and then move everything back in here. So I lived in Silsby, Texas for three months last year, and that's it. I've never wow. lived outside of the unincorporated township limits of Buna, Texas. So living there and growing up there then, being a homeboy, what is your what do you remember most of growing up? What was life like for young Micah T growing up there? So, like I said, we are, we are not a city. So we don't have a mayor. We don't have a police force. We don't have a Walmart. We don't have a movie theater. We don't have – there's nothing here. There's two dollar stores. So when you combine those two dollar stores, it's like one ninth of a Walmart, as yeah. I tell people. It's like all the, all the dirty parts of a Walmart, we have those in our dollar stores here. <laughs> I, had a, I had an awesome childhood. My dad coached me in t-ball, played little dribblers basketball. All of my family lives here. So like where I live, right, and my parents live um, 200 feet to my left right now. Okay. So we built a house right next to them. My grandparents live about half a mile down the road there. All of my aunts and uncles and cousins, all uh, 30 of them live within five miles of where I live this way. My brother lives three miles that way. So like we, we, we would go to my grandma's house every Saturday night. 
the grown-ups would play games. <clears throat> the kids would make pillow forts and play outside and hang out together. And so we just spent a ton of family time together, played all the sports growing up, played sports in high school, like all that kind of stuff. So that's, I mean, really, it was just more like we were a super family-oriented uh, kind of hangout kind of crew um, and then church on Sundays. So you mentioned being a youth pastor there for a while. I'm assuming it was there local too, right? Oh, yeah. No, it was it was uh, uh, six months after I graduated high school, uh, became the youth pastor at Friendship Baptist Church here in town. So when I was a junior in high school, we went just a little bit. Um, so got saved when I was 10 years old. Vacation Bible school, accepted Jesus in my heart. It was a real beautiful thing, real sweet. But then <clears throat> my family. So we, we went a little farther. My dad's Catholic, mom's Baptist. So I was Catholic for about 10 years. Wow. Okay? I was going to catechism training on Wednesday nights and then going to Sunday school on Sunday. So I had all kinds of ideas. You didn't stand a chance. <laughs> and so, uh, but my parents loved Jesus like they really did. So, th- so for me, I always looked at their relationship to the Lord above their relationship to a denomination or a church or that kind of thing. Okay. And so we were always just like, you know, Jesus was in the middle of our household. So never got involved in a youth group. And so, like, I tried going to youth camp one time, and I got bullied while I was there. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And so I got out of youth group. And so I never wanted to go on a Wednesday night. I would go to Sunday school. I would go to church. And that was what we did. So when I was a sophomore in high school, started walking through a, a time of depression, just had this severe, severe hatred towards myself, um, like, like very much. I could tell you how bad of a day I had that day every day because in our the ceiling of our home, our house was built in the 70s, and um, and the sheetrock on the ceiling, instead of just like doing like the popcorn ceiling, they, while it was still wet, they would press these um, circles and spin them. And when they did, it was these little circles that w- would go towards the middle like a very, very tight bullseye. Um, it, looked like a, it looked like an album, like a record. Uh-huh. And I would remember that when I got home from school, I would lay on my back and I would count all the reasons I hated myself that day. With the circles, wow. I would say like, got out of my truck and I stumbled. It's because I'm such a, a klutz. That's one. I raised my hand in math class and got the question wrong. It's because I'm stupid. That's two. I said hey to five friends and three of them said hey back. It's probably because those other two don't like me and I get it because I don't like me either. That's three. And I could tell you how bad of a day I had by how close I got to the middle of that circle. Now all the while, my family is still loving me. Like I had everything. I have a great support group around me and knew who Jesus was, but never just went deeper in that relationship with him until a youth pastor named Kyle and my cousin Amber talked me into coming to church on Wednesday nights. And that was whenever I got involved in the youth group and the Lord just radically changed my heart. And I realized then I was like, if I could do for someone what Kyle just did for me, not saying that I'm awesome, but knowing that Jesus in me is something special and something awesome that I don't have to, because I, dude, I thought that Psalm 139 and being uniquely made was a punishment because I wanted to be like everybody else. Mm-hmm. So fun fact, 20 years later, I'm in a writing room and I start talking about how like I still compare myself to everybody else. And I still struggle with this feeling of like, I want to be like everyone else when they're in the truth. I just want to look more like Jesus. And we started writing a song called Different. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of came from, I want to be different. I want to be changed. Until t- all of me is gone, all that remains is a fire so bright the whole world can see. So come and be different in me. That came from the struggle I had as a sophomore in high school that I carried for 20 years later. But wow. all that to say, after high school, uh, it, it, when I was junior in high school, I felt called to go into youth ministry, wanted to impact students like the way that Kyle did for me. So right out of high school, hopped right in. I was I was an 18-year-old youth pastor. Like The kids in the youth group were like almost the same age as me. Like yeah. I was going to their graduation, and I just got through with mine. <laughs> so <laughs> it was that kind of dynamic. But so, some of my favorite years. 
I was going to say, growing up and being that young and being from that single town, you probably had kids in your youth group that you knew their parents, like they were your friends. It's like, you better straighten up or I'm going to go, you know, that type thing, I bet. Well, no, I was more worried about their parents getting on to me. <laughs> so, I, like, for real, the first church that I was at, we didn't have a church fan. It was a little tiny church. There were seven kids in the youth group the first week I was there. Um and then we grew that youth ministry. So I was there for three years. And then I went to another church in Buna, Genesis Baptist, and I was there for six years. Well, Genesis had a, a youth fan, and I was so excited. But then I realized that I still wasn't old enough <laughs> to be on the insurance. So I would plan trips and then call parents and ask if they could drive me in the youth group in the church van to go somewhere. Like I, we had to get a special exemption two years into my time at Genesis. You're supposed to be 25, and I was 23, and they made a special exemption for me because I was on staff full time at the church to where I could actually drive the church van, which was a really big moment for me. I guarantee it. Guarantee. Okay, so there's a question that I've always wanted to ask you, Micah Tyler. I never have ever since I, I think I met you when you first signed that record deal with Fairtrade yeah. Records. Um, and that is, what type of real sausage do you recommend people buy? <laughs> Here's the deal. So so I, I would have to advocate for Beasley Sausage Beasley. out of Una, Texas, because it's a hit on the pit. That's what the <laughs> stickers say on there. It's a thrill <laughs> on the grill. I had to put those signs out sometimes. You, everybody likes their own thing. Some people like the really finely ground stuff that like you can, when you cook it, it just kind of like, it, it kind of sets up inside there and puffs up a little bit. Some people like the really smoked, coarse ground kind of stuff. That's more of like a really like a, a barbecue joint kind of thing. But for me, it, people ask me, because I delivered sausage for like two years and they're like, well, at least you got to smell sausage all day. And I'm going, no, if I smelled sausage, there's a problem with the packaging. All I smelled was cardboard. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm just carrying around 300 boxes of cardboard around Southeast Texas right now, uh, trying to figure out, you know, how, how to make this whole thing work. Cause I'm waking up at three in the morning, delivering this sausage around. So for me, I actually enjoyed some Beasley sausage last night on my grill. If I'm being honest, had a little, it was green onion with cheese in it. It was oh, amazing. Oh my yeah. goodness. Now, from what I understand and people may be surprised to hear this, you actually replaced Phil Wickham to get your big break. Didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. That was, I'm a, I'm a stand in, uh, every once in a while for Phil Wickham, like a stunt double, <laughs> uh, 10 years ago when I stepped out, had this little CD, my guitar band, it was, I tell people all the time, the CD was called Better, even though it was the worst music I ever made. Um, but it was, it was, it's still, I look back at the song, it's still like, there's so many sweet things in there. But what, the local radio station here in Beaumont started playing my music. And I talked him into it. I really didn't have a great plan on how to get the music on air. I met with Jeff Roberts from KLBT in Beaumont, Texas, a little station over here. And I called him. I was like, hey, man, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm trying to go out and do music full time. I don't know if my songs are even good. And if you will listen to my CD and tell me what you think, I will take you to lunch at Chili's. Wow. <laughs> I thought, I thought you can turn this down. This is like a great deal for somebody. And he took me up on it, started playing the music on air. I kind of became the local opener. So if, if Building 429 was coming to town, they would call me and ask me if I would go open for those guys that were in the local churches. And so <clears throat> Phil Wickham came through, opened up for Phil. Phil was so kind to me. And he says, hey, we got to have you come out and do some more stuff with me. I had no idea that Phil's wife was about to have a baby. So he took off some time. So nine months later, I get a phone call. And it's Phil's road manager saying, hey, how would you like to open for us in Tyler, Texas? I'm going, I'll do anything. Like, I'll drive wherever. It's three hours from me. I've never played in Tyler before. No one knows who I am. I would be thrilled to go do that. I show up, and the short version of the story is Phil was supposed to be flying from Pittsburgh to Chicago, Chicago to Dallas, Dallas to Tyler. 
And the flight in Pittsburgh got delayed, so he missed the flight in Chicago. Then got another flight in Chicago, and it had mechanical issues. So now the flight from Dallas to Tyler was not going to happen. But it's two hours away, so they were going to meet him there, grab him, and bring him straight there when he landed in Dallas. But when they went to land in Dallas, there was a storm cloud sitting on DFW Airport. They circled it four or five times and ended up landing in Oklahoma City, which is seven seven hours away from Tyler, Texas. And so all of a sudden, I'm told 15 minutes before the show starts, a sold-out Phil Wickham show um, that Phil Wickham's not coming. Can you please just play as long as you can? And they don't even know me. They don't know who I am. So (laughs) I walk up on stage. My favorite part is the the introduction is still one of my favorite introductions of all time. Local DJ there in Tyler. We're standing backstage, and I can tell he's bummed out because – you know, they put this event on and Phil Wickham's not here and they're stuck with me and he doesn't know who I am. And he just goes, this stinks. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, it does. I'm like, I have a, like a comrade here. And he goes, let's walk out there together. I'm like, let's do it. So we walk out there. People are going, Phil, Phil, Phil. Like, they have no idea. We walk out there and this guy gets, he's like, are we excited for the concert tonight? And I'm like, yeah. They're holding up signs. He starts going through the calendar for the station for the next two years. Like we're thinking about doing a cookie drive May of next year. Like he's just trying to, I'm going like, let's not stall. Let's just do this thing. And I'm just standing there awkward on the stage. No one knows who I am. And he just goes, but one more thing I got to tell you, Phil Wickham is not coming tonight, but please welcome the Michael Taylor band. (laughs) (laughs) He runs off the stage. And I was going, Oh no. Everybody's going, what? Like they're just all just like, there's like they ripped the bandaid. It was, they have no idea what's going on. I walk up to the microphone and I just said, uh, n- number one, uh, my name's not Michael Taylor. It's actually Micah Tyler. Sorry. Number two, I am so sorry. I'm by myself. I'm not a band. So it's just me. And number three, I don't know if this is the right time to mention this or not, but I just now decided to start a cover band called Will Fickham, <laughs> which I thought, was, I thought was funny enough. And then people started laughing and I was going like, okay, I think the Lord is still here. And bro, I started playing every song I knew. Like I'm playing my songs, I'm covering songs, I'm telling jokes, I'm 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 laughing, crying, like everything I could think of for an hour. And they had another like band that was supposed to be like in between me and Phil. It's another local band from Dallas that we're gonna close the show out. And it was to this day one of the most special nights of my entire life. Just like the Lord was so kind and we had this great night. Um I go to my merch table afterwards. I typically have a few people come by. This line is real long. I'm going, what in the world's happening? And so I start signing things and I start getting full of pride. Like I'm feeling really good about myself. And this girl walks up and she goes, oh my gosh, I really enjoy the concert. I was like, oh, thanks so much. She goes, it's my birthday today. I'm like, well, happy birthday. Do you want a CD? She goes, oh my gosh, it'd be great. So I'm getting her CD and I'm trying to sign it. I was like, so where are you guys from? She said, we're from um, Alabama. We drove 15 hours to be here. And that was the moment where I was like, oh, you're actually not here to see me. It's just you You are super glad. I was like, do you want a shirt? <laughs> it's like I didn't know what to do. So anyways, the next day I get a phone call from Phil's road manager and he just says, hey, what did you do last night? And I'm going like, it was a blackout. I, I hope I didn't curse. Like I'm just trying to figure out like what, I, you know, whatever. And he said, uh, he goes, people just keep messaging us today and telling us how much they enjoyed you last night. And like, we want to know more about you. So do you want to come out and do some more stuff with us? You let us know if we were close by. I had bought tickets the last two years to go see Phil Wickham and Shane and Shane at a Christmas tour uh, in Houston. It came through Houston. I watched them twice. And it was just a huge fan of Shane and Shane, huge Phil Wickham fan. Bought tickets to their show. And I was like, hey, if you're looking for an opener, I'd love to be considered. First tour I ever went on was that Christmas tour. And then right after that, Phil introduces me to his manager, who's now my manager. 
he introduces me to his record label, which is now my record label. And now we're, we're six years down the road. We're here. Aren't you so grateful they didn't make you fit into his Phil Wickham skinny jeans before you had to do that show? Wouldn't that have been something? <laughs> People ask me all the time. They're like, so did you sing like Phil Wickham song? And I say, the only thing worse than Phil Wickham not being there is me singing his songs for him. Like, let's not rub, let's not rub salt in the wounds here. Well, let's not talk about Phil's songs. Let's talk about Never Been a Moment. Let's talk about Amen. Yeah. Let's talk about Even Then. Which of those have been the most fun to see God do what he was going to do with. I mean, here's the deal. Never Been a Moment was a song that I wrote that I didn't realize. It, it was a blur when we wrote, wrote it in an hour and a half. It was meeting a guy named Jeff Pardo. It was the first song I wrote as a signed artist. So I signed the record deal. They're like, hey, we want you to come up and sign this record deal. And then we're going to set you up with some co-writes that week. Great. Sign the record deal. The next day, walk into Jeff Pardo's studio. And he goes, I got a song. I said, oh, I got an idea for a song, too. His idea was it's never been. He said, there's never been a moment that God hasn't loved us. And I was like, oh, I love that. Let's do that one first. Wrote that song. Wrote another song that day called Everyday Brave, which I still think is a great title, but it did not make the record. No one's ever heard that song outside of me, him, and the A&R guy who said no. Uh, <laughs> and, and, but, but it was funny because when Never Been a Moment, when it was done, and that night I was listening to it on my phone, just the, the demo that we did, the work tape, I started realizing, I was like, oh my gosh, like I just poured the last... 10 years into this song because it was all of the days driving us off the delivery truck. It was, it was me not knowing if we were going to be able to make ends meet. It was us being two, two house notes behind. It was us living in a single wide mobile home that we had to sell over half of what we owned to be able to get into and put it on some borrowed land and do these extra side hustle job just so that I could make ends meet for my wife and our two kids. At the time we had, we have three now. Yeah. So when we wrote the song, I had three kids. I have a newborn baby at home that we're trying to figure out, like, how are we going to make sure that we have a formula for him and diapers for him and all that kind of stuff. And we just I just started thinking about the Lord's goodness in that. So Never Been a Moment was one of those songs that just meant something more to me, not not more than any other song, but like it meant something very significant and special. It was kind of my, like my look at the past and my time capsule song. So when that song started registering with other people and of course, like I'm on tour with my first bus tour I ever took was Phil Wickham's Children of God tour. So I'm out there and it was very weird for me to show up in cities I'd never been in before and see people singing along to my song. That never happened before. Typically, someone was singing along because I've already been there before, yeah. um, or the words were on the screen behind me. But for me to show up in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I start singing this song, and people start cheering, and they're singing along with me, it, it was I almost had to start closing my eyes during the set because it would so unnerve me because I'm going, like, I've never, like, this is, the radio station's playing it before I got there. Like, that's very, very bizarre for me. Um, and so that that's one that was like, you know, it was it was my intro. It was just really fun. It was a really fun experience for me. What what's the most unique place you've ever played? Oh boy, I played Radio City Music Hall. Wow, which was I played that with Mercy Me and Crowder. We did that one um, fall of nineteen. And so New York City is my favorite city uh, on the planet. Like it just there's just something about it. it. I love going to places that make me feel small. So like the Grand Canyon makes me feel very small in this whole thing. Um, Radio City Music Hall, just New York City makes you feel very insignificant and small. And I love that feeling because it makes it makes me realize how big God is. As I look around, I see how big I'm like, God's bigger than all of this. And he knows every person that's hustling and bustling through these streets right now. This is a really sweet reminder for me. And so, you know, you grow up and you see 
music awards and you see concert footage and they're playing Radio City Music Hall. So the fact that I got to walk out there and play that stage was was really, really special. Um, I'm trying to think of like unique. I've, I played in an old car dealership that was converted into a community theater in Shafter, California. They could only fit like 200 people in the room. You could hear everybody breathing, but it was like, it was a really, really special show. Um, I did my first headlining tour last fall. Um, and I did not last fall, the fall before last, I guess. Um, and I, I got to play at common grounds coffee shop in Waco. So it was like this cool coffee shop and out back, they got this little stage out there. And so we were playing like churches and stuff on this tour and it was really fun. And then we show up there and it's outside. It's a little dirty. It's kind of grungy and stuff. But like, that was one of those nights where you, you kind of feel like a real band. Like you're out there playing, like everybody's just sweaty and people are like singing along. You can like, everybody just, the, the whole room just feels alive around you and stuff like that's that was a those are those are the ones that kind of stick out to me it's always those it's always how it makes me feel to be in the room more than just like the actual like i've never played in like a cave or anything crazy like i know those places exist yet but for it's always like the yet uh, one of these days would be awesome you know at this point i'll play anywhere <laughs> somebody <laughs> asked me to play on the tailgate of their truck you give me a shout i'll be there there you go well the past year has been a little crazy with pandemic and all so how has this past year changed things for your family we have prayed every single day as a family for the last 10 11 months god we don't want this we don't want this virus here we're asking that you take it away we don't want people getting sick or hurt and all those kind of things we pray for the doctors and nurses and all the deals but if today is not the day that this virus is is going to go away if it's still here if you want us to keep walking through this thing can we just cherish the opportunity as a family that we have right now that we've never had before to be able to spend so much time together. I have, we have sat together at the table for more meals. We have played more basketball in the driveway. We have played more game nights and video games and board games. And like we have, we have spent, we've watched more movies. We've, we've plowed through more Netflix shows together, like all the things we've made more memories as a family in the last year than, than I ever have with my family before. I was traveling 200 to 250 days a year for the last 10 years. This year, I traveled about 10. And so mm-hmm. since the pandemic started. So we're, you know, it's that thing of like, for us, man, it feels like we're on a on a date every day. Cause I'm just getting to, I'm getting to, to wake up next to her. I'm getting to go to bed with her. I'm getting to tuck the kids in. We're getting to, we're getting to eat every meal, like right next to each other. So it kind of feels like that. We're just, we're, we're just, we've just been dating this whole year. So it's been awesome. One of the times I saw you, you and one of your, one of your kids, your daughter were in Nashville yeah. and you were, you were, we were at, I think we were at the premiere for Mercy Me's I can only imagine movie. So, so what, when I was traveling back, back in the olden days, when I was a traveling musician, <laughs> um, we decided to start something called uh, dad days for their birthday. So what that was is on their birthday, we got to go do an adventure and an adventure is, is, is designated to be something they'd never done before. So that's the only criteria. What is something you've never done before? And we're going to go on an adventure. The first one was my, my young, my oldest, whenever he turned seven, he had these book, this book series that he was trying to, plow through and books four and five were not in the set at our local books a million or whatever. So I Google around and I just remember seeing that they were on sale at this books a million in Louisiana. And this is before you just like hop on Amazon, get something quick, quick delivered. This was you know 10 years ago or, or eight years ago. And I just said, uh, Hey, I said, buddy, they're only in Louisiana. He goes, I've never been to another state before. And I went, Oh, do you want to go to another state? And he goes, yeah. He said, and dad, 
My friends saw Captain America Winter Soldier and they said it's not bad, but it's PG-13. And I've never been to a PG-13 movie before. And so I looked at the parental guys on there. I was like, okay, a little violence. You know, we could probably do that. So that day, him coming home and being able to tell his friends, I went to another state and I saw a PG-13 movie. It was like he was Al Capone, like knocking down banks and stuff. Like he just felt like he was Bear grills, just like living this incredible life out there. So my daughter was like, can I do something I've never done for my birthday? And I was like, yeah, sure. So like we went to a professional basketball game because they'd never been to a pro basketball game before. We went to, so we started doing that. And that kind of turned into what we did. So my daughter, I get a call. So my manager is Scott Brickle, um, who is Marcy's manager. So yeah. in the movie, I can only imagine Trace Adkins yeah. plays Brickle. That's my, that's our manager and Phil Wickham's manager. And uh, all of a sudden Brickle calls me like two months before and he goes, Hey, what are you doing on February 26th? I said, well, something for my daughter is her birthday. And he goes, Oh, you think she wants to go to a movie premiere? And I was like, I mean, probably what and he goes, what's the, I can only imagine premiere. You guys come walk the red carpet. You can get her all dolled up, blah, blah, blah. So I mentioned to my wife, she says, she says, I think it's a good idea. I told Hannah, she freaks out. She's eight years, nine years old. So she's thinking I get to go to a movie premiere, the whole thing. We go, we fly in. Cause I got points. We fly over there. I'm using points to get a rental car. And I, the lady says something like, all right, we got you in like a, you know, some kind of little four door door sedan or whatever. And my daughter sees a picture of a Mustang and she goes, Oh, I've never ridden in a Mustang before in a convertible. <laughs> and I went, yeah, we can't do a convertible. And the lady goes, oh, sweetie, they're really fun to drive. Whatever. And, she, and my daughter goes, oh, yeah. And she goes, what brings you guys to town? I said, oh, it's her birthday. And she goes, you know what? There's a Mustang available. And I went, what? So we went to the premiere in this Mustang. We, we went and got her hair done, her nails done, like got her all dressed up. One of those days, and I realized, Ted, the problem is I had set the bar way yeah. too high yeah because like we can't go to louisiana and buy a book and watch a movie now now i've got to go take a kid to like i'm going like we're going to end up going to the moon like what are we, <laughs> we we can't we so luckily uh the pandemic kind of showed up pretty soon after that so it's kind of shut down our adventuring a little bit yeah, of course so we have to keep things a little more so like my son his 14th birthday was during the pandemic so we had a quarantine birthday a quarantine quarantine. And so we, we had a couple of things that he had never done that we did here at the house and stuff. But yeah, so that, that would probably top the daddy daughter date night thing, but it was also to much to my demise. I had to figure out like how to do something special for the other kids. And like my youngest, who's like turned five, he's like, can I ride a dinosaur? <laughs> no, you can't. like we've gone too far. We've gone too far with this. We got to pull back. Chuck E. Cheese is closed. We, we can't go there. We can't go there. You had a pretty eventful year last year. I mean, besides obviously COVID and being stuck at home, gallbladder surgery, recovery, COVID. Tell me what year did you go through and God, how did God get you through that? Yeah. So, you know, going into the year, we were really looking forward to the year. Like we had um, the new house was almost finished. We're finishing that up in like the end of February, beginning of March. Um, We had the new album that we were just wrapped up. Um, I was on the farewell tour with uh, 10th Avenue North. And so like, we're excited about that. We've been asked to go with Mercy and Me in the fall. So like all this stuff was happening. We were getting just really pumped up about it. Um, and then all of a sudden the pandemic just kind of stopped all of it. And then, so that was enough of a year for us to kind of shut everything down and everything. Um, but then, yeah, I, I was, uh, my brother who had battled stage four colon cancer back in uh, 2017, um, who had, recovered from that and, and the Lord was just so kind to let he had crazy chemo treatments, got rid of it, got to ring the bell in 18 of that negative March 18th, March of 2018. 
um, we found a spot that came back. And so he gets tested every three months and they found this spot that had been growing. And so they went in, they found out that it was cancer. So he had it removed. <laughs> so we're like, praise God. I brought over some smoked queso and some like, I cooked some sausage and ribs, brought it over there for, for him and for my dad that lived next door. And so I bring it over there to them. I had some, and all of a sudden that night I started feeling indigestion. I'm going like, golly, what is going on? Had no idea that I was at the beginning of a gallbladder attack that lasted for 48 hours. Um, ended up putting me in the hospital and they had emergency gallbladder surgery and took that out of there. Um, and then we end up, my wife, uh, she started having some stomach props, some pains and stuff. We come to find out that it was a baseball sized cyst on one of her ovaries. And so we're going like, we don't know if it's cancer. We know what it is. Um, she had to go in and have that removed, which praise God was not cancer and it was gone. And so she's been a lot less pain, you know, full or whatever at that point. Um, the kids are going back to school. We're kind of getting things going. And then Hurricane Laura uh, is, is coming for our area. So we evacuate to Waco, Texas. Praise God, Hurricane did not take a shingle off the roof. Like it was, it was amazing. The new house really held up really well. Um, and then on the way back, I'm at a four, I'm at a, a red light and this 18 wheeler comes pulled up beside me and he doesn't see me. And all of a sudden he starts turning and runs over our van along the side. And so like the door gets crunkled all in and everything and we're in the car. And so the hurricane didn't do anything, but I got hit driving back by an 18 wheeler, uh, coming home. Um, we had a, we, I wrote a Christmas single goes out to radio, does really well. It's really fun. Yeah. And then all of a sudden right before Christmas, uh, two of our kids get COVID and yeah. we are like my wife starts to develop symptoms. We still don't know. She went and had an antibody test and we can't tell it's, it's been inconclusive yet if she's had it or not yet. But I man, it's just been like, it's just been wild. Like it's it, on top of us trying to be careful and like trying not to give COVID to my brother or to my grandparents who lived on the road and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it just feels like it, it's like, we don't know the old bingo card got filled up real fast on things that we did not expect to happen in 2020. Um, but man, on the other side of it, it's one of those things that we just keep saying, God, you're still good. You're still faithful. Yeah. There's never been a moment that you have not been near us and close to us and loved us and stuff. And so um, songs like even then, which was a song that I wrote a year before hurricane uh, uh, hurricane Harvey put 50 inches of rain on our house in a few days. And we had to replace four rooms in the house, you know, even when the waters won't stop rising. And even when I'm caught in the dead of night, I know no matter how this ends, you're with me. Even then people think that I wrote that song after the hurricane came, we wrote it a year before. So what I've learned is that God's promises that he makes to us are just as true before a crazy event happens, before a pandemic hits, before gallbladder surgery, before baseball size cysts and all these things. And they're just as true right in the middle of all the storms that we walk through. And they're going to be just as true on the other side. So we just keep holding on to this trust and this faith that God keeps showing to us. And uh, yeah, we can look back and still see the joys in 2020, but glad that it was over with hoping 2021 is going to have some new uh, funner, maybe some opportunities to get out and see people and be a part of some things. But at the same time, we're just going to keep being grateful for the things in front of us. Amen. And so with, with that in mind, New Day, the yeah. new song that uh, we're getting ready to unleash to our listeners here, too. Um, oh. Was that written as a result of last year, or was that written to God use that song knowing that last year was coming? So New Today, we wrote that song. Here's, here's, where, here's where it gets a little grave. So I actually wrote that song three years ago, or two, two and a half years ago. And it was as my brother, the week before my brother was going in for exploratory surgery, the first time he battled cancer, he'd been going through chemo for like eight months, had like crazy, it, 
The chemo that he had was so aggressive that the medical team were waiting to see if his fingers and toes were going to fall off. Wow. Like it was that kind of, it was just very, very heavy stuff. His body just, he just tore him to bits. His blood vessels are all blown out to where he can't even have this chemo again because his, his blood vessels had to carry so much of this poison around his body. Um, he was going in for exploratory surgery where they were going to let us know how much cancer he had left, um, how much they were able to remove in the surgery, um, and how much longer we may have with him. And so I walked into the room that day, and one man, Ted, one, one thing that I hope that people see in my music and that they, they understand from me, I have two goals when I write a song. Um, number one, above melody, above production, above all those things, the two rules that I have in writing a song Number one, that God's scripture is honored. I, I don't want to write anything outside of God's scripture because if I if I offer someone something that is not based in scripture, it is dust in the wind. It is not worth, it is vapor, it is nothing. But God's word is something that we can build a foundation on, that we can stand on. So I want to honor God's word. And number two, I, I, I want it to be a time capsule of where my heart is on that day. I want to be honest about the things that God is walking me through, whether that is joy, whether that is fear, whether that is hurt, or whether that is celebration, like victory, whatever that is. And on that day, my heart was troubled. I was I was having a hard time. And I walked into the writer's room that day with a couple of guys who are just amazing men. Uh, and, and Colby Wedgworth and Paul Duncan were sitting there together. And I start telling, they're like, so what, what are we going to write today? We after a small talk, and I just kind of said, can I be honest? The song that we write today could be played at my brother's funeral or could be a song that we sing in celebration of him beating this cancer. Wow. And they're both just going. Phew. And then they reminded me, Lamentations chapter three, verses 22 and 23 says that great is his faithfulness. His mercies are made new every morning. And it was in that moment that I started thinking like, OK, that's today. Like we 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 we. we God's mercy is here today. And we just spent time, like I remember tears just like running to my face as we chased after the hope that was that was already in the middle of that day. Um, and a fun fact, I will share this with that, that radio thing that you and I were at the day. I shared this story that I hadn't really been sharing very much, but the song was originally, we went back and forth on titles. And the first title that we came up with was New Again. Your mercy's a new again, because it says your mercy, you know, it's mercy new every morning. We're like, okay, it just it comes again and again and again. And I had somebody tell me, they're like, you know, I like the idea of again, but we don't know when again is going to happen. Like, we keep saying things like, I can't wait for things to get back to normal again. If I told you that things are going to get back to normal today, you'd be so excited about that. And so whenever we set, whenever, so I, I just kind of, I just, I was just blown over that. I said, okay, it's new today. So that's where the song ended up. And man, it was a song that we sang in celebration over the cancer that we got yeah. to walk through that thing. And so, you know, that's a song that I have definitely had in the back of my mind and sometimes coming out of my mouth as we've walked through 10 months worth of all this craziness. After the year you've survived and all of that stuff, how can we minister to Micah Tyler and his family? What can we pray for you guys about? Uh, man, we we are trying to we're trying to navigate how to be faithful to the things in front of us and how to be wise with opportunities. Like I'm, I am itching to get on the road. It's funny. You'd asked me earlier about <clears throat> which songs were the most exciting. You mentioned amen. Amen was a song that did really well at Christian radio. And I think a lot of people know the song, but I, I got shut down before I've had a chance to sing it in front of people. So that's going to be one of those songs that it's going to be weird. Cause the last time I was singing it, I was still introducing it to people. And so 
we're it, it just it just kind of shows you the last 10 months how crazy we released a record in the middle of all the songs we've never sung before so as as excited as i am to get out there and 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 because i love ministering to people i love being able to spend time and meeting people and showing songs man we, we want to be like everybody else we want to be wise with the opportunities we want to be wise for our family my brother is still finishing up chemo right now and trying to stave off this this infection if he were to get it it would be a really really difficult situation so um we're trying to figure out you know like everybody else we're trying to figure out about the vaccine and when to get it and what to do and all those kind of things so we just want to be wise we want to be wise with with our with our livelihoods um we made a tenth of our income this year that we did last year which was which has been a it, it definitely has, tried, but again, God's been so faithful in the midst of it. So we want to be good stewards with what God has given us and what we have right now. We're just so grateful for what we do have. Um, but yeah, man, we just we want to be we want to be faithful. We, we, yeah. Dude, when I, when I stepped out ten years ago to do this, that was I told God I said I don't know how to be a professional musician. Like I, I just you've taught me how to be faithful. And when I look at Scripture. We're not going to stand before the Lord one day and him say, well done, that good and successful radio DJ. Yeah. Or well done, that good and killer teacher at a school or plant worker or whatever job that we have. It's faithful servant. And so for me and my family, we want to be faithful servants to Jesus. And so, man, if, if people could just be praying that we would stay the course, that if I'm trying to figure out how to film myself for a Zoom call, that this internet would hold up <laughs> for us to be able to do those kind of things, man. We just want to keep being faithful and not not be discouraged, not lose hope. Just keep relying on the mercy of God, and yeah, that'd be that'd be the most precious thing to us is that that, w- that we would continue to stay the course and run this race well. You got it. Hope Talk, a PCM podcast.